If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau <laughs> Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. It's another day, another forestry announcement another, here. David, it's all forest all the time this week. So wow. he just moments ago is in Crofton. Yeah. Just north of here, um, in the middle there, announcing $18 million to put 100 people back to work. That follows yesterday's announcement of $50 million for uh, making use of burned-out wood for, for mills. day before that, $90 million for a fund for uh, companies to tap into to keep operations going. Having said that, he's pushing a pretty big boulder up a very steep hill when it comes to forestry because there is a chronic problem in that industry, which is lack of fiber supply. And you and I talked a couple of days ago, just already the projections of the annual allowable cut is going to re- be reduced yep. um, for the next few years going down. Yep. David Eby's talked about getting more jobs and more use out of existing timber. It hasn't really explained how that's going to happen. So it's a lot of challenges on the forestry file. It's been the dominant focus of his part of his 100 days of action, and this week was all about forestry. We've had a lot of forests wiped out by forest fires. We've had the pine beetle infestation in past years yep. that have wiped out a lot of trees. So, yeah, there are big problems here. That annual allowable cut, as it's known, this is the, the government limit on how much timber can be cut. Yeah, set to go down, down, down for the mm-hmm. next few years. So it, it sounds like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, and that's why he's talking about uh, value added, uh, yeah. getting more and getting more out of existing timber, getting more jobs out of rather than just milling a two by four. So many premiers and past leaders have talked about. I think you go back to W. A. C. Bennett. <laughs> Hear premiers yeah. talk about value added jobs and and getting more out of the out of the forest than just two by fours. Uh, easier said than done. We've got aging mills. Um, uh, technology challenged in many ways. Canfor, for example, <coughs> closed their mill in Prince George, but they're buying mills. They're they're creating mills in other jurisdictions. Mm. So they've got a mill in Sweden, which is state of the art. Doesn't have many jobs compared to a. a well, they got a robots. Of, well, there's there are humans there, but it's a high tech mill, yeah. and it doesn't have the old structure that a lot of our mills are born out of the '40s and '50s. Yeah, a lot of automation. Uh, yeah, these are older mills, and it was interesting to listen to the CEO of Canfor when they shut down that pulp mill up in Prince George. He said, "Look, this is an older mill, and and it can't be. We can't repurpose it to make something else, some different product." They were yeah. there. They said their hands were tied. They had to shut it down. That's the challenge. I mean, no. these companies that are shuttering mills in BC are buying mills or maintaining yeah. mills in other jurisdictions, different circumstances. Okay, so he's making all these announcements, but still you have forest communities continuing to plead for even more help. There are calls to cut taxes, cut the stumpage rate, and we'll get into that. Have a listen to this. Now, this is Ward Stamer, who is the mayor of Barrier, B.C., forest-dependent communities. They've had mill shutdowns there. He was my guest on the show earlier this week. Here's what he had to say. It's not helping at all when... Uh, we are trying to compete on a global scale, and our neighbors to the to the east of us, Alberta and Saskatchewan, have a reduction in their stumpage because of the market conditions, and BC didn't. And that's just one of the one of the things that's happening, and and it's really tough on a lot of families. 
Okay, you know, earlier this week, EB was asked about tax cuts for the industry, and he, he called that trickle-down economics. Mm-hmm. He says it doesn't work, and it well, doesn't sound like he's going to cut any taxes. No, I don't think that's coming. The other thing is, the, and we talked about this before, the U.S. lumber interest, interests seem to be fixated on British Columbia when it comes to what they consider to be unfair subsidies for companies. Not They don't look at Saskatchewan or Alberta. They're, they're wholly focused on B.C., so... You start tinkering with taxes and stumpage rates and such. Does that reignite the U.S. softwood duty war, uh, which basically you can cut stuff, but it just gets replaced by duties, and there's no net in um, saving. So it's a, it's a very complicated situation. We've been covering this for years, the softwood uh, duty dispute with the U.S., uh, and it, it's more, more. it's not as simplistic as simply cutting taxes. I think, it, again, talking to the forest company, both union and executives, it comes down to fiber supply. Yeah. And it's just, that's just going down. This really has a huge disproportional hit on rural British Columbia that oh, de- sure. depend on this industry. And speaking of rural BC, have a listen to this here now. This is the mayor of Elkford in the BC interior. And here he is talking about the... This is hilarious. It was a temporary closure of their emergency room. How long is this temporary well, more closure? More than a year now. It's been a year and a half. Temporary almost. closure that's lasted more than a year. Here's the mayor, Steve Fairbairn. Have a listen. It's very frustrating. I get, without exaggeration, daily questions from citizens. Nobody's happy about it. People are worried. The mayor of Elkford there in the Kootenays. Yeah, so uh, rural healthcare, it's, uh, it's a challenge. You got, you've seen uh, emergency rooms uh, close in Port Hardy, in Clearwater. Uh, Elkford's a unique situation where it's just a sustained, I think it's a half-hour drive to the nearest um, uh, ER for them. Um, and it doesn't look like that situation is going to change anytime soon. And the health authority hasn't exactly been uh, vocal in explaining exactly what's going on here. Now, we've got ongoing staff shortages in healthcare uh, right across the board. It's not just confined to Elkford. It's in a lot of places. The reason why, again, why Port Hardy, Clearwater, and other places have had to shutter their ERs on weekends and such, uh, an ongoing staff shortage, uh, which has affected all parts of Society. It's not just confined to healthcare. I mean, BC Ferries cancels sailings because of staff shortages. I mean, you've got long lineups in supermarkets because of staff shortages. Um, but unfortunately, when it starts affecting an emergency room, emergency ward, that's a little more problematic than having to line up a little extra long to buy your groceries. You can't blame the people there for no. being upset about it, especially, you know, there's lots of very busy mining activity goes, go, going on around there. Accidents happen. They need, mm-hmm. a, they need emergency response. And and suddenly it's not there. They're told that it's a, a temporary shutdown, and here we are more than a, a year later, and it's still shut down. Yeah, you so. can, but you can go back 10 years ago, and there was always concern about rural ERs closing yeah. down. Um, it's it, They seem to be at the low bottom of the pole when it comes to priorities. It's, it's the major hospitals. Dix, Dix was asked about attention. this. Adrian Dix was asked about this this week, the health minister. And he said, look, we're aware. We're, we're, we're trying. We're working on it. They're trying to get more doctors into these communities. Yeah, correct? they've got various incentive programs. Always have rural physician uh, incentive programs. Some of them work in some places, and they don't work in other places. So trying to get people to Elkford, uh, trained physicians, has been a challenge. Okay, we also talked earlier on the show about the the Vancouver disposable cup fee. Mm-hmm. Okay, so twenty five cents a cup. They've got a disposable bag fee as well in Vancouver. And we talked about where does all this money go? Because it's raising <laughs> millions and millions of dollars. 
the money goes to the retailers. It doesn't go to government. It doesn't go to any sort of dedicated earmarked environmental fund or something like that. It goes to the retailers who are then encouraged, encouraged by the city to bring in like a, a, a cup sharing program, install a dishwasher so you can wash cups and have and, and have your customers use just reusable cups. Now, uh, you know, there's no indication or proof that this is this is working. No, there's no benchmarks for success. Like uh, where, where at what point do you determine this is a successful program or is it simply a cash grab? Well, this is what Brad West called it this morning, right? The mayor of Port Coquitlam. Yep. He says this is this is a cash grab. And in fact, he told the story of there was an A&W restaurant in Poco there that started charging the 25 cent fee and was basically telling their customers, well, the government's told us to collect a 25 cent uh, cup fee. He sent his staff down there and told them to knock it off because they don't have a fee. In Poco. I, I'd be surprised if these franchise owners, keep in mind, many of these places are franchises yeah. and trying to make the bottom line work. I'm not sure they're going to pass those those that collection that they're making on these cups into enhanced dishwashing. Well, that's a, why would they? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they just pocket the money? There's no there's no incentive. I mean, it's you know, relying on the goodwill or just the good intentions. I'm not sure that's going to go a long way in the marketplace. Let's listen to Vancouver Sun reporter Susan Lazarek. She was on the show yesterday, and she's done a great job on, on this story and start, trying to study this program, whether it's working in Vancouver. And here she is talking about, you know, is it working? Are people starting to use reusable cups instead? And here's what she said. There was another study done by U.S. and European researchers, and they just found that um, it's really tough to break people of that habit of, of, of yep. asking for a shiny new cup instead of digging a grubby one out of your knapsack. Now, some people do make the switch, though. I had a caller on the show yeah. earlier said, I bring my own cup every time I go to Starbucks now. Well, you and I are sitting in this swanky studio <laughs> here, and we both have... Uh, our disposable cups. Well, yeah, we haven't brought our we haven't brought our own cups in here. I don't think ever. Yeah. Well, I got my own over here. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I do have one. You and I are constantly cup. going to the legislature dining room, which is just yeah. around the corner here, thirty yards away. Yeah. Uh, and I see very few people in the dining room, for example, bringing in their own cups. Some do. Right. Some do. Yeah. I sure. mean, some do, but the thing is, though. Now, remember, I, I in the sus- pandemic, early in the pandemic, you weren't allowed to bring in your own cup. Yeah. That was banned. Because of uh, health. Well, the other thing is, and a caller reminded me of this too. This doesn't apply just to like Starbucks coffee cups. This is like fast food joints. So mm-hmm. you go to McDonald's and get a Coke or whatever. You know, you're being charged this cup fee. And he said a lot of these fast food places they won't fill up your cup. No. You know, if, if you go to, you know, can you fill up my cup with with Coke? No. You know, your sometimes cups, they won't do it. Oftentimes, because your cup's bigger than their cup. Well, yeah. And they're not going to want to lose product. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Let's go right to your phone calls. Rick and Delta. Hi, Rick. Go ahead. Oh, hi. I was just calling. To, nobody's talking about uh, raw log export. I don't understand it. Why they don't cut back on it. You know, they always say fiber. We're missing mill closed because of lack of fiber. I mean, the NDP have done nothing to reduce it. And when the Liberals were in power, they increased it a gazillion percent. Keith, what is the status of that? Well, the NDP still allows log exports, but they have reduced 
the volume of log exports, and they put new rules on there about when logs can be exported. You, it's not as simple as saying ban log exports. So uh, log exports are also tied to jobs. Someone's got to cut the trees down. So, uh, forest unions have a different view of this. I mean, it, well, it, yeah, we I mean, have we have uh, we we've the liberals did away with an old rule that was there for years, uh, which we talked about the other day. Appurtenancy, I think it's appurtenancy. Yeah. yeah, which tied your tree farm license to your requirement to mill those logs in a sawmill in within your jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, that was done away with a number of years ago, um, but and that did lead to a proliferation in the amount of, of raw logs that were exported, uh, and that was a constant criticism in, under the Liberal regime. Law, uh, raw log exports have not disappeared on an NDP, but my understanding they have been reduced in number. Yeah, and if you talk to the industry, they all they all make the argument as well that these raw log exports are kind of like a lifeline to the industry. That yeah. you know sometimes the the value they get out of those raw logs will allow them to go into stands and cut and cut other types of timber mm -hmm. that will go to mills in, in BC. And they also make the point that you just did that well when they say that this this is not a value added product. Well, somebody's you know, someone's got to cut these logs. They got to, there's a tree fallers, there's a scaler, there's the guy driving the truck. So yeah, no, there's a lot of yeah. jobs attached to raw log exports. Yeah, but still, I mean, but it's you a know. constant. It's a constant source of uh, concern. You should should be having them increase in number uh, at a time when we we're closing mills. That's a tough argument. Yeah, Dave and Mission. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Oh, hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call, Keith. Uh, sure. I got the full disclosure. My wife is a healthcare worker. Okay, she's fully vaccinated. Um, even she says uh, for them not to give these people back their jobs that weren't that weren't vaccinated just sounds vindictive. Um, when you think about it, BC and I believe it's only one other province. Uh, it'd be uh, be it uh, I think Nova it's Brunswick or okay, Nova Scotia. Thank you. Um, are the only two that aren't allowing unvaccinated healthcare workers back into the fold. And when you go into a hospital, you have to wear a mask. Full stop. You don't. You can't mm -hmm. do your job without a mask on. So when they came out and said that masks are the thing that are going to stop preventing or are going to prevent this disease from spreading, then why is it? Why are they digging in their heels and not letting these people have their jobs back? If a mask is the thing that's going to stop this from spreading. You have to wear a mask in the hospital setting anyway. I, it's, it, it just sounds like it's vindictive to me. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so uh, we uh, talked to um, Dr. Brian Henry, Health Minister Adrian Dix, about this. Uh, there's about 135,000 healthcare workers, and there's uh, less than 2,000 people who uh, had their jobs terminated because they refused to get vaccinated. So that's a very, very, very tiny percentage. And we're not talking all nurses here. These, this is uh, um, cleaners, all sorts. So it's again to suddenly allow them back would not necessarily have a huge impact on staffing levels in the healthcare system. It's because it's it's a tiny. Still, portion. every every hand helps, though, doesn't it? When we're so short staffed. Well, the studies continue to show unvaccinated people do present a higher risk than vaccinated people. And the other thing, it, when people who work in healthcare decision not to get vaccinated meant they rejected the science that's based on uh, that vaccines are based on. And if you work in healthcare, you're supposed to accept the science that dictates your it job. Is, it is interesting, though, that Bonnie Henry does seem to be a little bit offside with most other provinces on this point, though. Yeah, no, it's NBC was the first one to actually enact this yeah. uh, than other jurisdictions. So it's a, now it's no longer going to be a public health order. It's just a condition. So is it, of is, it, is it permanent now? 
Well, it's going to be the latest we got was no longer a public health order at some point, but it will be a regulation mm. uh, as a condition of employment, as there are other regulations dictating your employment and health care. Pat in Richmond. Pat, you got 30 seconds. Okay, let's think outside the box here, Mike. I belong to a golf club, and I can buy an 8-ounce coffee cup to go for 25 cents, or I can bring my 14-ounce thermos cup and get a full 14 ounces for the same price that it would have cost me for the 8-ounce plus the 25 cents. Okay, so you're in favor of the cup fee, therefore. Yeah, I think it's right. I think yeah. if people think about it. If people think about it, they're gonna, it's going to save them money in the long run. How many people are thinking about it, though? Yeah. Thank, thank you, you, you and I were talking off air, Mike. How many people actually pay attention to the How price of coffee? How many people even know they're paying a cup fee? Exactly. And your cup of coffee goes up 25 cents. Oh, went up 25 cents. You have no, don't you, don't, you don't connect it to the cup fee, I don't think.